Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. But we reach this night, use them to touch a heart or a life, some person in this congregation, all of the things that we do, may your name be glorified. We're so thankful for our group of young people and young adult leaders who have shared with us in the message and song, prayer and written word. Our Father, continue to bless us as we preach the word that it would do the thing that you designed it to do, that is to lodge in our hearts and there produce for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. As I told you this morning, the sermon that I preached this morning just wouldn't be complete without tonight's sermon. Galatians 5, this morning, beginning at... 19, we talked about the works of the flesh, and this evening, beginning in verse 22, we're going to talk about the works of the Spirit, or to use another word, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. One of the points that we made this morning was that it is what is in a person coming out of him that reveals his true identity. Now this is true whether it is evil or whether it is good. One's life is reflected in what he shows himself to be. Whether we like it or not, our reputation goes before us. And we are looked upon by our friends and our neighbors and the stranger who knows very little about us, based upon what they can see happening in our lives. And if what they see is evil, contrary to what the Bible teaches and what they think the Scripture has to say, contrary to the life of Christ, they're going to look upon us as performing works of the flesh. That is, we're going to be doing those things that build up and honor and glorify the devil himself. On the other hand, if they see in us those things that are called love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and so on, they're going to see in us something that reflects Jesus Christ. But we cannot reflect Christ unless he is in us. Unless the Holy Spirit is a real resident in our heart and in our soul, we will fool people maybe by pretending to be something, but listen, someday somebody will see through all of that charades and we will be identified and uh, for what we really are. You know how it is with a person who, who is a convict and escapes. He changes his identity. He, if he doesn't have a beard, will grow one. If he has a beard, he will shave it off. 
You will change his hairstyle or his hair color. You will change his location. And for a long time, he looks like somebody that he is not. But eventually, someday, someone will see through the image that he is portraying and see the real person. Well, if they're looking through you and me, we need for them to see Jesus Christ. And when they see him in us, then we are beginning to produce those things that come from the heart that are good and meaningful and were put there to, to accomplish the purpose of glorifying God. As the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And there is really no other way to, to look at it. He says the works of the flesh, that is the works of the physical, are revealed. That's what the word manifest means in verse 19, are evident. He listed all of those that we talked about this morning, and then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice the contrast in the two statements, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are those things that are contrary to God. But he doesn't say the fruit of the flesh is good. He talks about the fruit being of the Spirit. What we do that is good is done because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, not because of us. What we do that is bad, we can do in our own name. But that which we do that is good is done because of Jesus Christ, not because of us. Can we see that contrast? I can go out, you can go out and live a miserable, ungodly life, and we can do all of those things in our own name. But when we go out to do the work of God, we do it in his name, not in ours. And he is the one that gets the glory, not us. Not us. Now this is difficult for people to comprehend. And that's why sometimes we get jealousy started and, and, and envy and all those things is because some, we want to get glory. Now listen, it's one thing for us to heap glory upon each other. It's something different for us to want glory for ourselves. Can we see that contrast? There is nothing good about us that can produce it is the spirit within us that will produce. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by my might, nor by my power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. To put the reverse into the picture then, that Paul is saying, I can do nothing unless it is Christ that strengthens me. When a person goes out in his own name, he will fail. When you go out in the name of Jesus Christ, you will succeed. It's important, and I'm sure those of you who go visiting on Monday nights know this. Never go out on visitation in your own strength, in your own might. Go out in the strength of Jesus Christ. And always pray before you go, Lord God, go before me and open the door and prepare the way. I always pray that prayer. 
go in your own strength, you will fail. To go in the strength of God, it is by his might and by his power. And someday we will see the evidence of our work. He says in Matthew 7, 16, that by their fruits you shall know them. We read that this morning. Well, let's go back to it just for a moment. Matthew 7, 16. A good tree brings forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. We talked about that phrase most particularly this morning. Are you a good tree? If you are, you will bring forth good fruit. Notice verse 18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. In the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no way that a Christian can do anything but bring forth good fruit when we go in his name. We go in our own name and it's going to be evil fruit. I want to go back to 1 John. There is a verse here that, to me, uh, or a couple of verses that is very important. In the third chapter, 14 and 15, when it says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abideth in death. The first fruit that Paul gave to the Galatians is the fruit of love. That is supreme and paramount. And John says, we can tell that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. And listen, if you do not love your fellow Christian, there is a real question as to whether you have passed from death to life. Now, I didn't say that. John said it. And he can take the blame and get the credit both. We cannot hate our brother and have eternal life dwelling in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love for each other. Love for each other. That's the first one. This is not an option. Jesus did not come along and say, well, now, I think you ought to love each other. It would be nice if you would. He said, brethren, do it. And if you do it, you've got some evidence in your life that you're saved. If you don't do it, you don't have any evidence. Listen to it. If you don't love your fellow Christian brother, you have no evidence of your salvation. No evidence. Okay, well, how about my enemies? I can't love them. Jesus said, love your enemies and do good to them that despitefully use you. I didn't say that. The Lord said it. 
So again, he commands us not only to love our brethren, but also to love our enemies. He said, if somebody slaps you on the face, on the one side, turn and let him do the other side too. Not me. No, sir, he might get the first slap in, but I'm going to guard the next one. That's not what Jesus said to do. What is he saying? We are not to return evil for evil. We are to love the person that abuses us. He says if somebody makes you go a mile with him, he puts a gun to your head and says, Brother, you're going to take me down to Danville. He said, All right, this is far enough. I'll get out now. I'm, I'm going to Charleston. You say to him, That's all right. I'll be glad to drive you to Charleston. That's what the scripture says. He says if somebody wants to take the coat off of your back, give it to him and offer him your shirt as well. Gladly and freely. In that, there's evidence of salvation. When we go beyond the requirement and demonstrate our love for not only our friend, but our enemy, and the one who abuses us, the one who backbites us, the one who slaps us, the one who talks about us, the one who abuses us, we will in return give love. Secondly, he says we'll have joy. Joy is a feeling of happiness. Joy is a deep sense of well-being. Joy is knowing that everything is all right between me and God. That's what joy is. Joy is knowing that things are okay. Paul said to the Philippians, rejoice always in the Lord. The middle word of rejoice is joy. Rejoice always in the Lord. Now, one can have joy without having favorable circumstances. One can have joy without having a good life. One can have joy without any income. One can have joy even while sick. One can have joy when one has just lost his best friend or a family member. One can have joy when everything is the pits. Is that a contrast in terms? No, because joy is knowing that everything is okay between us and God. And we can have that in the midst of the worst of times. Paul sat in prison with leg irons on his feet. And Silas with him and others. And what were they doing? They were singing the hymns of the church. Why? Because they were joyful. Not because they had it easy. But we can have joy in the midst of the worst of times because it is a sense of well-being between us and God. Then he says peace is a product. What is peace? Let me suggest to you that peace, peace is tranquility of mind. Peace is having it all together. Peace is knowing that God is in control. That's what peace is. Peace is not having everything the way we want it. 
Peace is not having a lack of strife or lack of war as far as a nation is concerned. Peace is knowing that even in the midst of any turmoil that we might have, that God is in control. Jesus said to us, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Do not let your heart be troubled. Have tranquility of mind. Have it all together in knowing that everything is okay, that God is in control. Back during the Second World War, a ship carrying several missionaries was torpedoed by a German submarine and was sinking. And a German ship in the area came to the aid of the disabled ship and took all of the missionaries on board that ship onto the German ship and put them, of course, in, in stocks, the hold in prison. And quite a turmoil, of course, you can imagine, was going on. And the missionaries were naturally upset. And they had just been torpedoed. And there were, of course, many dead. And, and many more whose lives they weren't sure what would happen to them now. And finally, one of our missionaries simply said, Lord, there's no use both of us worrying about this situation. If you'll keep watch tonight, I'll go to sleep. And with that, he lay down in the midst of that ship and was at peace because he knew that God was in control. Do we have that kind of peace and produce in our lives? He also says patience. Patience is the ability to accept the situation as it is and work through it. I'll tell you, I want patience. And I want it right now, brother. And when I pray for patience, I hope that God is going to answer me before I get the words out. Because I want patience. The Lord says things different than that. He says, be patient in spirit is better than proud in spirit. Back in Ecclesiastes. Romans 5.5 5 says, now the God of patience will grant to you to be like-minded. God is patient. And a fruit of the Christian life is to be like God, to be patient, to accept the situation as it is and work calmly and quietly within that situation. Instead of going helter-skelter and, and going haywire and jumping up and down and running hither and yon under circumstances that we have nothing to do about, is just take it one step at a time and be calm and patient in working through our problems because God is in control. A Christian ought to demonstrate patience. A Christian ought to demonstrate kindness. Kindness is tender concern for one another. I do not believe, I do not believe that it is possible for a Christian to be both vicious and kind. Something is wrong if both of those are coming out of the same person.
A Christian is to be kind. A Christian who is vicious is allowing the devil to control his activities if he is a Christian. Christian is kind. He also talks about goodness. Galatians 6.10 says, While we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. May I ask you, what is your reputation? If you, or do you know, if you were walking down the street and overheard a conversation about you by two of your neighbors, would they be talking about how good you are? How mean, vicious, ugly, and despicable you are? What would be your reputation? Joseph was a good man, the scripture says, the mother of Mary, who was the other uh, father. Let me start over. Joseph, the husband of Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. Before they were married, before they actually uh, lived together, although they were by law married, the word betrothed means that, he discovered that she was with child, and he tried to figure out a way then to dissolve their marriage and still not abuse Mary. One of the most vicious things that goes on in this world is a couple, a man and a woman, who must divorce, and they are determined to destroy each other. A Christian will not destroy one another, even though they might divorce. Joseph was a good man, and he had respect for his wife, even though he was hurt to the quick. We need to take every opportunity to see to it that other people in our lives are treated well. That's the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about faithfulness. I wonder sometimes if we really know the meaning of faithfulness. A person needs to be faithful to his family. And let me tell you, folk, I think we need to be faithful to our church family. It's very, very disturbing and detrimental when members of a congregation are not always faithful to the church. And go hither and yon or go nowhere. There are members of this church, and I've been here for over a year and a half, that have never yet walked through that door who live in this community. Where is their responsibility? Where is their faithfulness to the body to whom they belong? <coughs> Christians produce faithfulness. Christians produce gentleness. The word gentle really means meek. One who has no desire for revenge. One who will accept rough treatment without giving rough treatment in return. And lastly, he talks about self-control. Did you know that's what the word temperance means? He uses the word temperance. Self-control, one who can keep control of himself. I've heard many people say it. 
And I've been guilty of it myself a few times of saying, if I think it, I'm going to say it. Now this is a self-righteous attitude. Let me tell you folks, a Christian might think it, but he doesn't always say it. Because it isn't always proper to say everything. Maybe you can't keep those thoughts out of your mind, but you don't have to blurt it out. Just because you think it doesn't give you liberty to say it. A Christian is one who controls his speech and only says that which is good and kind and never says those things that are vicious and backbiting and destructive. The tongue is something that needs to be bridled and Christian people have the same problem of bridling the tongue as the non-Christian. Child abuse is nothing more than a parent out of control. Sometimes we lose control of ourselves and abuse the church and abuse our friends and abuse our neighbors our fellow Christian people, in that we can't keep ourselves in check. I think it is very definitely scriptural to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say it, period. Just because we think it doesn't mean we say it. Unless it is designed to benefit somebody. Fruit of the Spirit. Those things that come from deep down inside us and just come out of us and are there for the world to see. What are they seeing? Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Or are they seeing all of those black, ugly, undesirable sins that we talked about this morning? The reputation of every church rests upon the back of every member. Is anybody out there in that community who wants an excuse to tear down the Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church will find the weakest person that they know of and start talking about what they do, what they are, what they say. So it behooves us to produce something for the Lord God. But we can only do it spirits down here the depths of our heart and it'll come out through our mouth not through a witness not through a testimony and it'll be done because we want God to receive it
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.